Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. I always like to encourage people to spend some time in Romans chapter 8 uh, because it is a reminder, a much needed reminder of how it is that there is nothing that can separate you from the love that God has for you. Neither height, nor depth, nor principality, nor any created thing. Nothing. Maybe somebody needs to hear that tonight. Maybe you're watching online and you need to hear this. God loves you. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Psalms. God loves each of us. In fact, He likes us. He hopes that we will see the grace that He offers through His Son, Jesus Christ, and hopes we will accept Him. Pastor J.D. teaches us the need to know that our God loves us. He's not a God that made us on accident, but instead a God who made us with purpose. Allow Him to fulfill His purpose in us. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Psalms chapter 2 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. All of the Jewish boys under the age of two are butchered because a king is born. And so what happens? Well, God has Joseph and Mary go to, of all places, Egypt, <laughs> where they're protected, and then until it's safe. Uh, we're, what plan are we on now? Like a, B, C, D, E, F. Let's call it plan G. So now what's he going to do in between? Well, there's others in between, but uh, let's go to the last century. He possesses another man by the name of Adolf Hitler, who tries to exterminate all of the Jews unsuccessfully. And then (laughs) what's going to happen now, yet future, is he will possess, I believe he will be the personification of Satan himself in the person of the Antichrist, who will try unsuccessfully for the last time to exterminate and eliminate all of the Jews, and it will happen during the seven-year tribulation, because he knows that if there are no Jews, then no Jews are there at the end of the seven-year tribulation to call upon the one whom they have pierced. And then Jesus will come at the end of the seven-year tribulation, because the purpose of the tribulation is for the salvation of the Jewish nation. And here's how I heard it said, and I like this. The difference between the rapture and the second coming, okay, well, first of all, uh, that's not, you know, some people say, well, if the rapture, if Jesus comes, you know, in the rapture, then that's really the second coming, and then the second coming is really the third coming. No, (laughs) no, it's not, okay? So Jesus at the rapture does not come to the earth. He comes in the air, takes us out of the earth. That's not a coming. He snatches us away, as was the custom in that day, where the bridegroom, at a a day and an hour that the bride knew not. No man knew the day or the hour. 
<laughs> which made wedding invitations a real problem. You know, <laughs> you are invited, RSVP. Problem is we don't know the day or the hours, so you just have to be ready. Well, that's how they did it. And so at the time, the father would have the best man sound the trumpet, the shofar, and then the bridegroom who has been preparing a place, a room addition in his father's house, a bridal chamber. When the time comes, then he, he goes in as a thief in the night, thief in the night, is this sounding familiar? As a thief in the night, he abducts, he snatches away, he catches away his bride and takes her to his father's house where he has been preparing a place for her. That is a bridegroom to his bride. And get this, they go to this bridal chamber and they consummate and celebrate their marriage for you know how long? Thank you. <laughs> a period of seven, not three and a half, seven days. One said, while the world, am I yelling? I'm sorry. <laughs> it's exciting <laughs> because it's soon and very soon. <laughs> but uh, while the world is tribulating, we are celebrating. So here's the difference between the rapture and the second coming. At the rapture, Jesus comes for us. At the second coming, he comes with us, ten thousands by his side as his bride. One more. I can't help myself. Forgive me. Okay. This um, uh, bride from his side, we talked about this uh, before when we've celebrated the communion table. You know how uh, Jesus bled on the cross from seven places on his body, seven the number of completion, right? So you have the two feet, that's two, the two wrists, that's four, the back where he was whipped, that's five, the uh, crown of thorns is six, and then the last seventh place was his side when he was uh, stabbed, and out of his side came two elements, blood and water, the two birthing elements present at birth. This is when the church was birthed, his bride from his side. Now, what do we know to be true about Jesus? Well, he's the second Adam. The first Adam, where did he get his bride? Oh, <laughs> from his side, from his side, the rib from his side. Anyway, I really digress there. So Psalm 3. <laughs> Is Psalm 2 a cool psalm or what? Okay, we've only got through one psalm and it's, okay. Don't look at your watches. I don't think you are for some reason, but Psalm 3. Let's just take this in uh, smaller bite-sized uh, uh, chunks here. This one we're told, we have a title, uh, and we're told that this psalm was written by David uh, at a time uh, when he fled from his son Absalom. For those of you who were with us during our study through First uh, and Second Samuel, we uh, know all of the things that happened. This was horrific. This was one of the most painful times in David's life uh, when his son Absalom, whom he loved, I just you know there's there's uh, and. 
not only is his son trying to take the kingdom from David, he's trying to take his life. He's trying to kill his own father. And so David flees from Jerusalem. And there's an interesting detail in the the narrative. We're told that all of those that fled with him, they were weeping so bitterly as they were fleeing Jerusalem. And David got out of there and all of them with him for their protection because it would have been a bloodbath if they had stayed. So Absalom comes in and does unspeakable things and he launches this rebellion, this uprising against his own father. And so this is when this psalm was written. Verse 1, Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. Many are they who say of me, there is no help for him in God. Selah. Okay, let's, uh, if you'll bear with me, I want to work through this psalm. It's pretty intense. Uh, it's a very important psalm, and it deals with a very important matter. And it's this notion that there's no help for me in God. God is through with me. I have sinned so greatly. You have to keep in mind now, this is subsequent to David's sin of adultery with Bathsheba and the murder of her husband, Uriah the Hittite. So he has sinned. This, this is how insidious it is. And I'm going to borrow from the book of Job for what I think would be deemed obvious reasons because this was what his three so-called friends did. Uh, you have sinned so greatly against God. This is why this has come upon you. This is why this curse now is upon you. God is through with you. He's unwilling to forgive you. In effect, it could be thought of this way. You have committed the unforgivable sin. Unforgivable. And God is through with you. God is finished with you. This was by far the most hurtful and wounding of everything that Job experienced. Which is why he cried out so often and begging God to not continue to remain silent. Just say something, God. Why are you against me, God? What have I done, God? Let me know that I might repent. And it doesn't help when he has his three so-called friends that are accusing him of God being through with him. This was the plight of Job, and now it's the plight of David as well. Well, they both believed and were accused of God being against them and that there was no help from God for them. Charles Spurgeon said this, if all the trials which come from heaven, all the temptations which ascend from hell and all the crosses which arise from earth could be mixed and pressed together, they would not make a trial so terrible 
as that which is contained in this verse. It is the most bitter of all afflictions to be led to fear that there is no help for us in God. You know, I was uh, preparing today for Sunday's teaching in Ephesians, and Lord willing, we're going to um, take <laughs> let's see three three verses this time. Wow, we're going to live on the edge uh, in chapter five, but um, it's going to be about doubting one's salvation. This is this is one of the most serious uh, concerns for many uh, many a Christian. And by the way, this is why in Ephesians six. Um, the uh, metaphor of the of the armor, we have the helmet of salvation. It, it protects the mind from the seeds of doubt that Satan tries to plant concerning our salvation. You'd, you'd be surprised to know how many emails we get and comments that are posted on social media from people who fear <laughs> that they've blown it so bad that they're going to be left behind at the rapture. They, they actually have been deceived and have believed that God is through with them. God is against them. God wants nothing to do with them. And nothing could be further from the truth. I always like to encourage people to spend some time in Romans chapter 8 uh, because it is a reminder, a much needed reminder of how it is that there is nothing that can separate you from the love that God has for you. Neither height, nor depth, nor principality, nor any created thing. Nothing. Maybe somebody needs to hear that tonight. Maybe you're watching online and you need to hear this. God loves you. Maybe it packs more weight when I say it this way. He likes you. No, he, isn't it sad? What we, I know we've talked about this before, but we live in a day and age when, when the word like has more of an impact than love. I mean, love has been just so, you know, I hate to use the word marred. It's been, been just so sort of, um, you know, brought down and, and uh, minimize. I mean, when you, when you when I say I love you, okay, well, thank you, I love you too. Or God is love. But when you say to somebody, "Hey, God likes you," He does. Yeah, He 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 likes you on Facebook. He does. <laughs> There's a big like with a, a. Is that too much? Well, you, you kind of get the point. It's, he likes He likes me. Yeah, He likes you. It's a lie. It's a lie to believe the enemy in this regard. You know what makes it even worse is that those who attack in this way, and I can't get over how it was that this was David's son. I mean, you know, for those of us as as parents, certainly as fathers, can you even imagine how painful that would be. And he's on the receiving end of this attack that comes from one who is so close to him that is now falsely accusing him. And 
and saying to him, God is through with you. There's no help for you. You're, you're beyond the grace and the forgiveness of God. And this is why you're fleeing Jerusalem and you're leaving the throne. Absalom has the audacity to, I don't want to get too detailed, but he takes the concubines, his father's concubines. And based on this advice that he's given, horrible advice, ungodly, evil advice, he, and he sits on his father's throne as if to say, my father is done and I am now going to be the heir apparent and the king. Well, again, I liken this to what Job went through. He's got these three so-called friends that are falsely accusing him and cursing him. And even David is going to refer to this man by the name of Shimei. Remember him? So they're fleeing. And there's this guy by the name of Shimei that is cursing David saying, God is through with you, David, throwing rocks at David. And here's David's men. Remember now, there's 600 of these men. These guys, you don't want to mess with them. These are warriors, man. So one of David's men says, David, you just say the word. You just say the word, and we will... We'll take care of him. <laughs> we'll take care of him. David says, no, 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 no. So here's this Shimei that's cursing him. And as they fled and David is, you know, when we were in First and Second Samuel, we were told what happened. And here in Psalm 2, we're, we're actually Psalm 3, pardon me. <laughs> Psalm 3, we're told, not just what happened, but what David felt in his heart, what was going on in his heart. I mean, this is a, a real, uh, you know, insight into just the raw emotion of it. So this is one of those places where I, I, I love my favorite two words in all the Bible, but God, but God as only he can and always does, has the final word when it comes to his servants. You know, it's kind of interesting getting back to this Shimei. Um, so as after Absalom is killed and David with all of his people return to Jerusalem, Shimei's there again going, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. My bad, I didn't really mean it. Because <laughs> now David's king again. And oh, by the way, uh, in uh, the Old Testament, uh, it actually says something about uh, you kill the person that rises up and curses a leader or a king. So he knew that he was a dead man. And David spared him. And anyway, God always has the final word is my point. Like with David and Job before him and the many others with him. God will always vindicate his own in the end. Um, I want to, we may not get to Psalm 4, but that's all right. I don't want to rush through it because it's a really powerful psalm related to prayer. But I want to take just a moment because in uh, at the end of verse 2, 
we're introduced to this word Selah. And it actually appears 71 times in the book of Psalms. So we need to know what this uh, word means. It's actually, if I'm not mistaken, three times only. The only other time it's found in the Bible is in the book of Habakkuk. And I think it's only three times in the book of Habakkuk. So what does this word Selah mean? Well, it's actually uh, debated. Some suggest that it means division. Others suggest weighed. And others say it carries the idea of pause and praise. I'm of the belief that it means all of the above. And I'll explain why. So when you get to this, remember now, these are songs like a refrain. So you get to this, the end of that verse, if you will, and there's this dividing point, and it's a pause where you stop, consider, weigh, and then praise. And that's what it is. And that's what it means. Well, verse 3, but you, O Lord, there's the but God. <laughs> now remember now, he's got people cursing him, rising up against him. But you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory, and the one who lifts up my head. I cried to the Lord with my voice, and he heard me from his holy hill, Selah. And there's that word again. Okay. The first word in verse 3 changes the entire complexion of this perilous situation in which David finds himself in the midst of. I mean, you know, whenever you get, you're, you come to that word, but, just the word but alone, it means everything up to this point is inconsequential in light of what comes now. Well, what comes now? <laughs> but God. Yeah, they're all against me, but God is a shield about me. And I love this part. He's the lifter of my head. Picture the, use your imagination here. Just use your, as a parent, right? Your, your child is down and discouraged. And I mean, and what do you do? Well, you want to encourage them. You, you, you give them a hug and you just lift their head up. It's okay. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And that's what God is for us. The poetry of the Psalms evokes emotions of all kinds. The authors' lives were as varied as their songs. Yet each point to truth we can't deny. God is still God, always in control, and forever loving His creation. We can rest in the knowledge that our Heavenly Father cares for us deeply and is supporting us, calming us and providing life everlasting. We hope today's teaching on In Spirit and Truth stays with you as you continue on in your day, reminding you of truth and love at every turn. If you'd enjoy listening to more messages from Pastor J.D. Farag, you'll be able to find them on our website at inspiritandtruthradio.com. We do treasure our connection with our listeners. We'd like you to be a part of our social media community. 
Follow the links on our website to our Facebook or Twitter pages where you can add your thoughts to the conversations while filling your news feed with encouragement and useful information. We'd love to see you here in person at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe if you're in the area too. We hold services every Sunday at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. or come by on Thursdays at 7 p.m. for an in-depth Bible study. Directions can be found on our website. Again, that's inspiritandtruthradio.com. If you can't join us in person, we hope you'll find a local church community soon that you can call home. Having a supportive and biblically-based church is an incredible blessing in your faith experience. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you'll join Pastor J.D. again to continue studying the Psalms right here on In Spirit and Truth.